The political landscape took a dramatic turn as New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced his resignation. This is Here Now the News. I'm Jerry Barmesh. My guest today is longtime Democratic strategist Hank Scheinkopf. A quick refresher. A bombshell report by the state attorney general, Letitia James, looked into multiple sexual harassment allegations against Cuomo. Many top-ranking Democrats across the state were willing to let the probe run its course, including Cuomo himself, who would be interviewed by the AG's investigators for 10 hours. Then the calls for him to step down were swift, but Cuomo gave doubling-down remarks, discrediting the report and holding firm that he did nothing wrong. That would not stem the tide within his own party, as lawmakers were more vocal than any Republicans in Albany or elsewhere. Even President Biden chimed in for the resignation. But if Cuomo wasn't willing to see the writing on the wall, his top aide, Melissa DeRosa, announced her resignation. 36 hours later, he was gone, or about to be. While I was on vacation that Tuesday morning, Cuomo's lawyer, as she had done a few other times, held a detailed press conference, once again airing her grievances with James's report. Moments later, Cuomo addressed the people of New York. It started out sounding like his previous comments, this time, though, with an apology for his behavior. When he pivoted to New Yorkers have always known him as a fighter, it was clear the fight was over. That line was akin to Nixon's, I have never been a quitter, from his resignation speech 47 years ago. One difference, Nixon quit and was out of office at noon the next day. Cuomo gave his two weeks notice. Shortly after Cuomo spoke, I connected with Hank Scheinkoff to shed some light on this shocker and assess where we go from here. First off, let's go back a few days now. What, what did you think of his resignation speech? I thought it was um, not, it was, it was kind of like uh, two, it was two things. One, he ab- obviously he resigned. He'd apologized for what he was accused of doing. And um, that's great. And then he kind of stuck to everybody by uh, telling them that they really didn't understand what was really going on. That was the underlying message. And that, uh, if we'd been able to talk about it somehow, this wouldn't have come to it. And I don't know if that's true, but he wasn't really resigned to leaving. And they had to, as I've said publicly, they had to yank him out of there. He wasn't going anyplace unless forced. And, and clearly he's, he's savvy enough. This is almost three full terms. He understood. He must have seen the tea leaves that he was probably going to get impeached. Well, certainly impeached. In this case, impeachment would mean losing his pension, losing the ability to run again. But Losing running again was not the issue. Losing his pension was. I mean, here's a guy who spent most of the last 40 years of his life doing nothing but being involved in government one way or another. He was an assistant district attorney or his father. Um, he was a HUD secretary. He was attorney general, governor. Um, this is his whole deal. I mean, he didn't accumulate any money, really. So he needs that pension and the 18 million dollars in his campaign account. Well, some of it's going to have to go to pay for legal expenses because clearly no one's done with him yet. Were you surprised by the timing? I mean, this was with, I guess, a week exactly from when he stood there and said there was no wrongdoing. Originally, he had said in March that he was going to wait for the AG's report, and then he was discrediting it. So uh, was it surprising his top aide had just uh, announced she was resigning a day and a half before? What might be apparent is that he didn't expect the outcome of the report to be what it was. And that was uh, would have been insane on his part. You know, politicians... uh, may say that everything is on the level, but truth is there's always ambition and anger and, uh, and, uh, and you know, envy that gets in the middle of all these inquiries, truthfully. Um, so it was time. He didn't want to go, and I didn't believe he was going to go, and they, I believe, frankly, that there was a, 
uh, defense that his attorneys had put together. Certainly, they'd reviewed the record of the last impeachment, which occurred, what, 110 years ago in New York State? A guy named Selter, I think was his name, um, who, by the way, wound up running for office again and winning. That being said, it, it, he did, wasn't going in until the cop showed up. And the sheriff showed up at the door and said, by the way, we're investigating you. Um, he suddenly got uh, inspired. The timing for Cuomo's exit may have also been linked to a deal that didn't happen. Reportedly, he was willing to take the fourth term off the table if lawmakers agreed to drop the impeachment plans. Assembly Speaker Carl Hastie, though, said there would be no deals. Well, that, that, that's rumor. I don't know if it happened. But look, let's, let's step back a second. And you're asking the right questions. What would have happened had he made a deal? In the Speaker's mind, thinking about the real, the real status of politics in New York State, he would have figured out that the uh, Democratic Socialist uh, people, the progressives, would have come for more of his seats, and they, they hit him pretty hard the last time. I think they got six. Um, they're growing all the time. There's a hit list uh, of, of, for some of his uh, incumbents in the next election cycle. That would have been good. The Republicans, well, they would be licking their chops to try to pick up a couple of state Senate seats, particularly on Long Island. You put chaos in the government together with crime. And you get Republicans is what happens to Democrats. Wouldn't be the first time Richard Dixon was uh, was among the many times. Reagan was another time and on and on and on. on. So, you know, Democrats didn't want to have cast in the Senate and they didn't want to empower the Democratic Socialists. The best way to deal with the problem from the perspective of leadership was to say, Andrew, pack your bags uh, time to go. And then the sheriff showed up. Once that happened, it was game, set, match. And who's the sheriff? The Albany County Sheriff who said, by the way, I'm launching a criminal investigation, um, which meant the D.A., had been apprised. I mean, people don't do that without uh, going through channels. And um, that may still happen. But uh, leaving town was probably a good idea. Does this now open the floodgates? We're starting to see already buzz uh, for the Democrats in just, what, 15 months from now? Well, there, there, there'll be a line around the block, likely. I mean, uh, let's see. You'll have uh, Attorney General Tish James, Controller Tom Denap. These are names that'll be mentioned. Uh, uh, you'll have uh, Congresswoman Rice and uh, Congressman Swazi and, uh, uh, let's see, County Executive Ballone from Suffolk, County Executive Kern from Nassau. Um, there'll be Jamani Williams, uh, and there'll be five or six rich guys who uh, don't understand the basic dictum of American politics, which is the graveyard, the cemetery of American politics. is filled with the bodies of rich people who are told by consultants who wanted houses in the Hamptons that, in fact, the money would make sure they won. And that's, you know, part of what's going to go on here. You, you didn't mention Mayor de Blasio. Is, oh, is he well, someone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he can run on his record. And he'll, be, he'll probably get about 3% on that one. 3%, really? So at this point, you don't if see he him as... Two, he'll be lucky. Not, the, not a well-liked guy. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we're, we're, we've been, I think, uh, unfair to him. He's not, a, uh, he's, not a, he's not a governance kind of person. He's a political consultant and a strategist. And that he's done well. Um, and the city is in tatters from a crime perspective, as well as the garbage on the streets, the inability to manage the homeless, the crisis with the schools, and on and on and on. And, uh, but we have to give him credit for pre-K. We have to give him credit for, uh, for, a, for a housing program long term. But we're not sure what the Rikers closing will mean. And the criminal justice reform has been a complete mess. What he's done extraordinarily well is the choreography of his last year in office so that we, we are left with some good feeling about him to set him up for the next round of electoral activity, because that's all he knows how to do. And we should congratulate him because he's got us all thinking about how great he is. I mean, look, smiling at a softball game, being kind to the press. He's not lying to them anymore. I and mean, this is a guy who understands how to set up the next act. 
Do you think, okay, so not de Blasio, but do you think of any of those that you mentioned? Are there any that you, we should watch already early on as potential? Watch Hopel. Watch Hopel. Yeah. He's a very serious person. Um, she um, did not do any, make any mistakes. She's obviously been prepping this for quite some time at her opening presser, press conference. She uh, answered the questions appropriately. She didn't give out too much information. She's obviously uh, raising money. She's uh, create, starting to create connections downstate, which she's always had, but in a more public way. Um, and her problem here will be to do her best to make sure the legislature and many of the legislators may already have uh, favorite choices in the gubernatorial sweepstakes that they don't uh, trip her up and, you know, effectively assassinate her politically. Um, so pay attention to her. Uh, obviously, Letitia James, um, would you rank her top of the list? Not necessarily, because it's a crowded field. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it's just we don't know. We don't know who Hochul's picked for lieutenant governor will be either. It may be somebody who can neutralize Letitia James in much of the state. We shall see. Well, what about speaking of Letitia James? Uh, some people say that the report was politically motivated. And as you say, she may run for governor. Uh, wh- wh- does that have merit? Everything is politically motivated or partially politically motivated in public life. The most political of all documents is the budget, which we think to be the least political, but in fact is the most political. Everything a politician does has a political implication to it. Issuing the report at the time it was done, the choice of time, location, and behavior alone was sufficient to rock the world. No one knew what the contents would be. The choreography of the people who presented, the way their facial expressions and honor were all part of the drama. You know, part of our politics or politics all over the world is drama, is stage setting, lighting, camera action, makeup, design. And this was designed to ensure that she would walk away the victor. And she did by saying, we have nothing else to say. It's all in the report and not even countenancing additional information from people who came forward after the report was issued. It doesn't matter now, but what, what do you think of for that week where the, uh, the Cuomo lawyers were basically nitpicking, cherry picking uh, at, at all these little details about the, about the report? They were preparing a defense you know, the, the question in a political trial or a political uh, hearing, which impeachment certainly is, um, trial is something else, but impeachment is a political activity, is, to, is that you want to be able to confront your accusers. That's a basic uh, premise of American jurisprudence. But an impeachment does not allow for that. A trial does. And the way this is set up in New York State, the impeachment kills you and the trial is after the fact. You're out of office. You can't function. Um, and you um, you lose your pension, you lose your right to be elected to something else. I mean, you got to beat it at trial. He didn't have the opportunity to confront his accusers, and that's what his lawyers were, were trying to do. Why? Because they were setting up a legal strategy to get him out of the soup. Unfortunately, the soup consumed him for their purposes. Could this controversy, we talk about all the Democrats, could it actually hurt the party, and could a Republican slip in? There's no question but that a Republican could win this thing. If George Pataki were prepared, younger and able again, he would win, I think, in 2022. But he's not there. We need they would need a George Pataki type or they would need somebody who comes from New York City suburbs who could win the Orthodox Jewish vote or a portion thereof in New York City against someone. Right. Anyone. And who would because there's 500,000 Orthodox Jews in New York City with about a voting ratio, about 25 percent, 24, 25 percent. They're bigger, bigger than bigger numbers than anybody else with respect to turnout. So you put those groups together, New York City suburbs, plus that, uh, and you uh, say, well, uh, we have crime, we have chaos, we have uh, insanity, we have Albany nuttiness, so who needs it? Let's vote for change. And that's a reasonable argument.
So had the legislature not acted, legislature not acted as they did, it might have come to that. And the biggest winner on that day when this all started was, frankly, Lee Zeldin, who is likely to be the Republican candidate for governor in 2022. I, I was going to ask about him. He's the one that I, other than, I guess, uh, Andrew Giuliani, I know, is is running as a Republican. Andrew so Giuliani big... should save his money and buy a house. That's my Andrew... advice. <laughs> That'd be a good thing I... to do. And so Zeldin, I guess, at this point is the biggest Republican that's uh, that's on the. So you think there'll be many more? Yeah, you know, the problem with Zeldin, there'll be many others. But the Zeldin, uh, the Zeldin question is one about um, Donald Trump and his relationship to Donald Trump. He's got to come up with a reasonable uh, response to the question, which will be, well, you know, probably will be, you know, some people accuse me of that, but I'm not sorry for bringing home billions of dollars to New York when everybody else couldn't get it and blah, 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 blah. That'll be more of the same. And that might be a good argument, depending upon how crime and other conditions look at the time. Remember, New York City is going through uh, record levels of shootings and uh, homicides in a particular point of the year. Uh, although now they tell us homicides have leveled off, but they didn't level off a few months ago. The Bronx is, uh, is outrageously dangerous. Um, and then you have, uh, you know, chaos overall, dirty streets. I mean, these are all things that benefit the Republicans. And if Kathy Hochul takes the left progressive line and comes even close to talking about uh, uh, defunding the police, it won't only hurt her in, in, uh, in the suburbs of New York City where crime is starting to go up, but it will hurt her in the, even in Erie County where she comes from. Because crime is up in Buffalo. Crime is up in Rochester. Crime is up, I believe, in Syracuse. Crime is up in the southern tier. All the places we have large population settings. Not so good. Certainly the optics with the first woman governor in what is it? The 276 years on top of everything that's going on. uh, It has to be something special. Gender matters. And people who think not should ask Andrew Cuomo, whether he's having dinner at the governor's mansion in the the two weeks or not. He's not gender matters. Race matters. Color matters. Um, All of these things that we've elided over in our politics, both locally and nationally, uh, you know, we stopped delighting. We have to take them into account. The fact that she is a woman matters. And the fact that we have a woman governor for the first time in our history matters. When you consider that countries throughout the world have had women chief executives for quite some time, Israel among them, Chile, I mean, and on and on and on. It's just, it's, it's kind of idiotic to wonder why we haven't had a woman governor in all these years. And she's the first, she gets, an, she immediately, that immediately gives her a step up. Yeah. Well, we know uh, today, as we record this on Friday the 13th, uh, earlier this afternoon, the Assembly announced that they are not going forward uh, with the uh, impeachment, bringing the articles of impeachment. Um, Is that expected? And now that uh, the governor will resign in uh, 11 days? Well, it's expected because the governor is resigning in 11 days. They got what they wanted. Now the question is, does the Albany County Sheriff and the Albany County DA disappear from the scene? And what happens to the lawsuits that Andrew Cuomo might face from accusers who will seek, who might seek civil damages? But the, it's not surprising that the assembly did this. This speaker has been smart enough to avoid conflict when it is not necessary to be conflicted, to have conflict, particularly in public. He's been very good at that. He understands how to manage conflict, and this is a smart move for him. Um, and uh, now you won't see him for a while. Could they have done like? with Trump, where obviously they had the impeachment afterwards. And one of the the main thing they wanted to do there was make sure that he didn't run again, because there's already been buzz that Cuomo could try and run again. Anybody who believes Cuomo can run again is kind of wacky. I mean, I'll tell you why. Spitzer, okay, he stood up, he said, look, 
to whom much is given, much is expected. Blah, blah. That's a very patrician thing, you know. I had sex with one hook, one woman, a hooker, and left town. This is different. This is something that's played out over a much longer period of time. It's much more obscene in many ways to people. Uh, involves not a consensual prostitution, consensual relationship in many cases, right? In that case, with Spitzer, certainly. In this case, these are non-consensual activities. They are much more, uh, to some, horrifying, especially in the moment in which we live where these kinds of behaviors are absolutely unacceptable in every way, shape, or form. That being said, it, there's too much. It's too much, too much disgustingness for him ever to come back in that way. People won't forget this. Someone actually in the media, um, some clip from when Cuomo spoke on, um, I guess it was Monday, right? Tuesday, Tuesday, actually said that he spoke so well and the way he was laying things out not just a defense for anything criminal, possibly, but actually thought that he was running for 2024 for presidency. Well, that's nice dreaming. Look, let's go back to the video that his, uh, he put together, his staff put together for him with all the hugging that went on. That was an attempt to get in front of the story because they were mounting a defense, right? It was that his, it's mens rea, right? You know, to be Clarence Darrow. I'm not a lawyer, but lawyers discuss this with me. What was his state of mind at the moment that he did these things? Was the intent to harass people or was it just normal behavior that really didn't matter? And he attempted to make that into normal behavior that didn't matter until he couldn't do that anymore. So it, again, all the clips, well, let me back it up. In the, in the 21st century, no one dies and nothing is forgotten. And there is no image that exists because everything is invented, created, stored, or kept on the internet for use at any given time. Everything that occurred during these, this period of time will be remembered, can be reused again and brought back to fresh memory because all political campaigns are not in the past or future tense, they're in the present tense. Whatever happened 300 years ago becomes part of the moment or five years ago or five minutes ago. Uh, he can't get past this. Too much repetition. The Internet has done that for us. What about his legacy? I mean, he's done a lot of good things, especially in the last year and a half with COVID. Is this now his legacy? I had spoken to a uh, an assemblywoman from Long Island in this week between his speech and his his announcement that he was resigning and said if he resigns, then he could go out, have dignity uh, and there can be some good. Otherwise, he has to get pulled out in, in an impeachment and that becomes his legacy. What, what do you think? He was pulled out anyway. He was yanked out of there. Look, legacy. The tragedy here is that we have imperial governors who've actually done things. Nelson Rockefeller was the first uh, governor in New York history to be elected to four four-year terms. Built the city university system, built the Oval in Albany, uh, rescued and created the UDC to build 30,000 units of housing, uh, created, put the MTA together to rescue the Long Island Railroad, the commuter railroads, the New York City Transit. Um, but it was all built on moral obligation debt and forced the, uh, the city and state to collapse financially. He's out of town, becomes Ford's vice president, imperial governor, does whatever he wants, told everybody to go to hell. Hugh Carey, used the power of the governorship, referred to, by the way, in the New York State Constitution as his excellency to tell the banks and New York City to do what he wants them to do or else. And he did. He saved the banks who were heavily invested in municipal securities in those years. They're not today. And the city at great cost to the municipal unions, unfortunately. Um, but he, he pushed everybody around. Guess what? Go on. Next. Uh, next imperial governor is Elliot Spitt. No, it's Mario Cuomo, who sees his job essentially to watch, to keep the people safe in the legislature, is um, is known to engage in tirades, uh, 
a very tough guy, uh, but stops a riot at Sing Sing without killing everybody, right? Um, builds more prison cells than anybody in the history of the United States. Presides over New York State, the uh, loss of jobs, the uh, greatest loss of industrial jobs, likely uh, in the history of the United States within New York State. And um, great orator, he gets whacked too. Next, you have uh, next imperial governor, Elliot Spitzer. We've talked about him. And the final imperial governor is when Andrew Cuomo. He builds railroad stations. He builds airports. He does something no one's been able to do for 50 years, which is complete portions of the Second Avenue subway. These are large events. He passes uh, marriage equality in New York State, an extraordinary thing by cajoling and forcing the state Senate to do it, which helps to cost them, the Republicans, the majority in the Senate. He does all these things, but he will not be remembered for any of them. And the, the disgraceful thing is to try to strip his father's name off the, uh, the former Tappan Bridge. I don't understand what Mario Cuomo has to do with Andrew Cuomo's recent behaviors. That, I don't get that at all. The vitriol that he created among the legislature and the behavior towards them by breaking arms instead of pulling arms is something that motivated much of this anger and angst. But, you know, imperial governors get things done. What we will be left with probably is a governor that partially gets things done and partially has feel-good meetings that are inclusionary where no one gets injured and where check writers who fund the political system um, are engaged because they, are, they can be different. It's a different world we're coming into. Is it going to be better? Well, it'll be better for women, obviously, and it should be. Will it be better for public policy? Probably not. Probably not. And we mentioned at the beginning about uh, the sheriff and criminal proceedings possible. Do you think this is going to go that route? Well, the threat is better than actually doing something. You know, when you threaten to do something and you have the power to do it, it has a lot more force than the actual act itself because the act is something that's done. You can't do it again. But the threat is pretty significant. I'll look for Andrew Cuomo to disappear, figure out what his next move in. He needs, probably needs to make some money. He has to find a place to live. Um, he's got to assemble a life. He was an advocate for the homeless for a couple of years. Uh, that might be a place he winds up with. You know, it's what I call the John Profumo theory of life. Uh, he was caught during the height of the Cold War with a woman, a prostitute, who was having an affair at the same time with uh, a Russian, the Russian military attache in London. Um, it was a scandal. Uh, he was not a bad fellow. He devoted the rest of his life to doing charitable work. Maybe uh, that's what's required here. Maybe that's what his penance will be. Not so much for what he did, but for what he knew he shouldn't have done. It's a different question. Do you, do you have any idea what do you think he'll wind up doing? Like I know Spitzer actually wound up getting a primetime show on CNN. Yeah, he went, um, he went to CNN. And now his brother is on CNN. Yeah, well, look, it didn't work out well for Elliot Spitzer at CNN. Um, he's doing what he was meant in life to do, which was not to be governor. I, in the interest of expo- in the interest of candor, I worked on his uh, attorney general's race. Uh, I was the uh, I was the consultant to it. We uh, he won. He beat an incumbent attorney general the first time in seventy five years. In the interest of uh, disclosure, I did the campaign against Andrew Cuomo when he ran for governor in two thousand two and beat him handily. And then he hired me later on in the year, so I'm the perfect person. Because I about these issues, because I know all these all these people, and I'm I may be the only person on your who you speak to who's actually walked the governor out the door, which I did with Jim McGreevy, and you might have covered it at the time in huh. New Jersey. So I'm an honest broker in all these regards. What does he do? Well, yeah. this is not a guy who's uh, who licks his wounds. He's a man of action because he does want to deal with the pain. Is my bet. 
I would bet he finds something charitable to do for a while. Um, and that may be what he does with his life. As to his brother, we have to hope that his brother doesn't get fired because people have been fired from networks for doing uh, things less egregious than counseling your brother who's being accused of sexual harassment in, in a, a ser- in a, as being accused of being a serial sexual harasser and potentially criminal activity. Um, but you got to hope that nothing bad happens to him as well. Yeah. Do you, do you think that going forward, should he show contrition? Should he go into rehab, counseling? You didn't get that from when he spoke. He basically said the lines were redrawn. Uh, and that's kind of where he got stuck in that middle. Um, the smart move is probably to spend some time out of the limelight. Out of the limelight. Away from... Uh, from the madding crowd and the chaos, and then to reemerge in a charitable role or some other role, uh, running something that has value beyond the pain that he's experienced. That would be the wise thing. That will give the public and those who will watch him briefly a sense that he is coming to some conclusion because the public is injured too. You know, when you have these kinds of meltdowns, no one benefits. We think they do, but the pain to the political system is not insignificant. The lack of trust in it becomes a paramount. It takes people, the public, a while to reconsider and to restore some faith. He needs to restore some faith in the public by potentially doing something that will benefit others beyond the use of power in any way, shape, or form. Hank Shankoff, I appreciate a few minutes. This is uh, always enlightening speaking to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and best of wishes to you and all your uh, listeners and viewers. Thank you. Andrew Cuomo on August 24th will become the eighth New York governor to resign and only the second chief executive from the state to leave amid allegations of misconduct, joining Elliot Spitzer from 2008 in that dubious group. Thanks again to Hank Scheinkoff for joining me on short notice for his perspective into the historic news. If you'd like to comment, you can tweet me at Jerry Barmash, email hearnowthenewsjb at gmail.com. I always appreciate the feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, share with your friends and check out past episodes. We're back soon with another edition of Here Now the News. I'm Jerry Barmash.